welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hey, everybody. So today we're going to be responding to an article that was put out recently by Sheldon Maneri, one of the founders of the format and one of the current members of the Commander Rules Committee. The article that was released earlier this week was Commander Cards You Shouldn't Play. And in it, he basically lays out some cards that he thinks don't necessarily deserve a place on the ban list, but which he believes go against the spirit of the format. So we're going to discuss like the broad categories of cards that he seemed to think are problematic. We'll try not to get too deep into the nitty gritty of his points and like the cards he brings up and try to stay at like a high level. Yeah, yeah, and not get like super nitpicky if possible. <laughs> yeah, although there is plenty to nitpick in this article, but... yeah. There's a lot of interesting points that are brought up. I'd say there's four or five broad categories of cards that he talks about. One of them is mana denial. So he brings up Armageddon, Back to Basics. He brings up Stasis, Static Orb, Winter Orb. Even like Grand Arbiter, I would say, counts kind of like that. Like just having your general game plan be like slowing down your opponent in that way another broad category of card is like cards that combo with everything yeah so he has both palancron and paradox engine represented on this list and then a couple that are a little harder to categorize yeah mindslaver seedborn muse soren markov thieves auction and then one of the more baffling ones he decides to single out is wound reflection yeah so I want to start with the mat, the mana denial, mass land destruction, those kinds of effects, and sort of argue against the the points he makes. One of the arguments he makes for Armageddon is that Armageddon seems more like it's used to make the game irritating, so that everyone else will just scoop, as opposed to use it in a win now. Win. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's his experience and his play group, but in my experience. Most of the people I play with, if they play an Armageddon, it's like, okay, I've got a board full of slivers, now I'm going to Armageddon, does everyone just agree that I win? And then... Yeah. (laughs) There's two categories of times I've seen Armageddon played. It's someone who has played the game a lot, and they do exactly what Nick just said. Or, they're really new to the game, and they're like, ha ha ha, Armageddon, and then they like see how terrible that is, Mm -hmm. and the game slogs on, and I feel like that's what he's focusing on but that I, I honestly don't know that many people that just like casually armageddon and i played in a lot of different play groups yeah it might just be more an issue of like the experience of the player like their progression through like the stages of commander player yeah i can see an argument for armageddon being used in that kind of antisocial way or rather, like, used out of ignorance. Because I think that the ban list is definitely geared towards newer players, less competitive players, and then trying to police that band of mm-hmm. commander, as opposed to focusing on, like, the more experience. Because, like, in this article, he, he mentions, like, we specifically don't worry about things like ad nauseum that really only are a problem among competitive players. If you're focusing on, like, that band of commander and not really worrying about the highest levels then yeah i guess you could say armageddon but really i feel like player education might be a better strategy because i think that there need to be tools 
in players' toolboxes to end the game because it, there is such a thing as a commander game that goes on for way too long. Yeah. Because yeah. the house rules say, like, no infinite combo, no yeah. mass land destruction, and then pretty soon, like, the only way to actually win the game is Craterhoof Behemoth. Yeah, and, and everyone's been wrathed every turn for, like, seven turns, yeah. and, and no one can get ahead. So, I, yeah, I've played those games. <laughs> I've definitely been in leagues where, like, that you got points... And you'd get points taken off for certain things, so no one's deck had, like, Armageddon or, like, too many counter spells or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then the games came down to, at that point in time, like, who could get Primetime down first, or who could get Crater Hoof or whatever. Like, there was, they were pretty heinous. Yeah. The thing is, if you define everything that isn't green as not fun, <laughs> then yeah, you you're, you're really the warping the format. Yeah, yeah. yeah Blatant Savory was a big problem in that playgroup, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, it, I thought it was weird at the time, and now looking back, I'm like, but like, why was Primeval Titan cool? <laughs> like, I don't understand like what you're doing. But yeah, I guess keeping on to this thing, like, the, it is interesting because he also brings up like another card back to basics. And talking about a way to kind of hose people who are go being too greedy with their mana base. But then specifically mentions that, like, I'm not bringing up Blood Moon, even though it does the same thing. Mm -hmm. Which, I, th that's kind of weird. I think that, like, any of this, like, non-basic denial should be brought up. Because most of the time, Blood Moon is just back to basics. Like, they can't do... Yeah. Anything. I mean, I guess you get, like, the hope that, well, if I just draw my O-Stone or something... Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's, maybe it's just a matter of, like, false hope. Whereas yeah. Back to Basics is like, I know I'm never getting that Tundra back. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm playing, like, red-black... Or red-black... I don't even know what color combo wouldn't be able to deal with enchantments. Red-black. Red, well, I mean, but, like, three... They, that your mana base is so greedy that Back to Basics destroys you and yet you can't get it rid of it somehow yeah it, it sounds pretty red plan <laughs> <laughs> like if you're playing a Rakdos deck that like invests a ton into its mana base because it needs red red black oh, black on okay turn four, okay i see that yeah and then you just can't do anything about it like you got your ulamog in your hand but you know yeah <laughs> that's never gonna happen unlike under blood moon yeah that's true um, that's so funny but yeah i mean do you do you want to say more about any cards you brought up so one thing he does in his argument against Armageddon is he says that it represents a whole class of mass land destruction spells like Obliterate, Jokalhops, Decree of Annihilation, uh, which, and you'll notice yeah. that those cards are very different in those, their application yeah. from Armageddon. Definitely. Like Armageddon, I see it as a way to just preemptively prevent board wipes. So like, okay, I'm way ahead on board i've got a ton of huge fatties i'm gonna armageddon and then i just don't have to worry about wrath of god or any other answers and i'm i can just win pretty quickly from here yeah and i think that also like obliterate joko hops are much more dangerous and much more likely to create the situations that he's worried about than armageddon is because with armageddon yeah. like even new players can sort of figure out what's going to happen because you know, all the permanents on the board, they're still there. You can figure out what is likely to occur if all the lands are gone. Yeah. But Obliterate, Joko Hops, those are hard resets. And those are a lot more likely to tempt people into thinking like, well, man, what would happen? I don't even yeah. know. Let's yeah. just see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who Who's going to come out on top? Do you want to talk about the one card wins? Yeah, I do. When Paradox Engine was printed, for example, like, I was excited. Mm -hmm. But I also could tell like, oh, this just combos with 
everything, everything that's already good. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to put effort into this card. Yeah, if you're just running a green deck with a bunch of mana dorks, you know, like most green decks, yeah, then <laughs> there's very little cost to or, like spending one deck slot on the Paradox Engine so that you can cast your hand. Yeah, or, or the blue deck with a lot of mana rocks, or the like spells deck or like anything like any deck the artifact deck yeah and any deck that ends up having mana producers that aren't just lands which is a pretty large subcategory of commander decks yeah so i totally i also felt that way when i saw this card printed i I was not necessarily excited Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it was like oh wow they printed this more than like heck yeah they printed this yeah it's like were they thinking about this yeah (laughs) I am excited to see that they are talking about banning it. I think it it really does make the game too easy to win for certain categories of decks. Palancron's less abusable than Paradox Engine, but it does just combo very easily with good cards. If you have extremely cheap clones or mana doublers, yeah. it's not very hard to go off with Palancron. Yeah, something that bounces it. Cladstone Curio is really popular. Mm. Any, like, There's a bunch of different ways. I think that Palancron is less of an issue in part because it doesn't like offer you a win condition and going from I have seven lands and a mana reflection out to infinite mana, that's not a huge jump. Like you already could win you when you add the nine mana for tooth and nail. Yeah, yeah, there's there are ways to win. Like I've definitely played games where I had infinite mana and was sitting there like, Well like what <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I, I I do agree with you. It doesn't the fact that it isn't a win condition on its own is definitely kind of the balancing factor on it. Yeah, because really what happens is like these things tend to shortcut. You know, nobody's going to play out the bouncing palancron a million times. They're going to say, "I have infinite mana," and then you're going to ask them, "Do you have a win condition? Show it to me." And also, the way we tend to play combos in our play group is just like if you combo off then you just kind of ascend and then you'd be like okay and then i i did my thing i'm gonna scoop and go get a drink yeah and you guys keep playing and then i'll i'll join in the next one if that's the norm in your playgroup then people get to do still do these cool things yeah but other people don't feel cheated and and usually it's offered like okay i have this thing like i win do you want to keep playing like i'll i'll like I'll walk away from the table right now, and if you guys want to, like, finish whatever you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, and that usually is pretty good, because if people are like, no, whatever, and, like, not feeling it, that stops, you play a new game, or if they're like, no, yeah, we're going to keep going, then you're like, okay, and you go and you get a drink, or you go and you... Look at your phone for 10 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. That's, I think that's, that's how most playgroups I have been in lately handle the situation. Mm -hmm. But again, this could be a thing where like all these things he's identifying as problems aren't problems in advanced playgroups it's playgroups that haven't really figured out what the norms should be who are less experienced that i can see it'd be a bigger problem in those playgroups and maybe that's the kind of playgroup that sheldon plays with but yeah, maybe but if that's the case maybe what he should be doing is like trying to use his authority as a member of the rules committee to try to set the norms of the format rather than to just frown on these cards that people use incorrectly. Like, why not just tell them how to use the card correctly and then you don't have this, like, controversy over effects that are really not a big issue if you know what to do with them. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. 
I don't think ending the game is a problem. I think we need things in Commander that end the game. Mm -hmm. And it seems like Sheldon is only interested in those things if they are green. There's one exception to that on this list. The only thing that he complains about is Seaborn Muse. Is it BBD? Beat him with his green-blue deck too many times. (laughs) (laughs) Seaborn Muse is fine. I actually didn't think that Prophet of Crufix... Was oh, fan worthy? No, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's two colors. Yeah. It's two colors. And Seaborn Muse, like, your deck has to be built in such a way that you can really take advantage of mana on your opponent's turn, mm-hmm. which not all decks are able to do. Yeah. Um, it's actually, like, you, ha- you do have to make conscious decisions to make that happen. Yeah, and also, like, it is the most fragile card type. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're very lucky, you can get one round of turns with Seaborn Muse doing very heinous things, but like, if none of your opponents can remove a four-toughness creature with no protections, then I, I'd i say they deserve what's going <laughs> to my opinion. But and, yeah, no, I, I agree with that, because people complain about Seaborn Muse too, and I think it's, uh, they complain out of context. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, oh no, you're winning with this. It's like, well, like, look at the board. Yeah, like, <laughs> Poverty of Crufix, the argument for its banning is stronger. I don't think it's solid, just because it also gives you something to do with that mana. Mm-hmm. But Seaborn Muse, it's like, okay, it's really cool if you got, like, a Mael or just, like, a mana sink. Yeah, yeah, if there's some way to use it. But not all decks have that. I think we can lump these two cards together. They are okay. Soren Markov and Wound Reflection. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sheldon clearly is not a huge fan of non-green decks winning the game like i don't think his <laughs> argument against either of these cards are that strong soren you could make an argument against it that it does make people feel really picked on and that's not super fun yeah because like turn six i'm gonna soar on you and then everyone else is gonna see well i could attack the guy who's at 30 and do very little or i can attack the guy who's at 10 and eliminate one of the players who could threaten my win and it's mm-hmm. like well of course yeah yeah that's I'm... not a choice yeah <laughs> Wound Reflection is the most baffling card on this list for me, because I just think that, like, if this six-mana enchantment that does nothing on its own (laughs) is, like, unfair in Commander, is, like, against the spirit of the format, then, like, what is safe from the butthurt? Yeah, I've had conversations with people about this card a lot more than I thought, Mm -hmm. just because I was surprised at the number of people who thought this card was unfair, Mm -hmm. and I don't... Yeah, <laughs> like like people always set up these really like elaborate scenarios of like, well they have like their commander and then like two five fives and blah 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 and then they hit you and you're at the and it's like what are you, what is going? That's so. I, I mean the thing is there's so many effects like this. I don't even see the point of singling out wound reflection when yeah. there's like uh, all the furnaces. Yeah, there's furnaces, Gisela. Like there's so many ways to just deal tons of damage to your opponents and. Winning the game is great. Accelerating the pace of the format is good. Yeah, I don't think anyone will ever argue that, like, quite a spike is, like, a plague on the format. Yeah. Mark Rosewater always talks about how you want a game to end before it goes on too long. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that all these cards in here that just end the game, Armageddon, Wound Reflection, like, great, good. (laughs) Like, nobody wants to play a a two-and-a-half-hour Commander game. Yeah. (laughs) I'd rather get, like, six to eight good turns, and then, boom, it's over. Okay, let's shuffle up, go to the next one. 
Do you want to get into this bad boy right here? I do. Uh, So this is a card that I kind of agree with him on. Yeah. (laughs) So this is Thieves Auction, and this is four red, red, red sorcery. Uh, Set aside all cards in play. Starting with you, each player chooses one of the cards set aside and puts onto the battlefield tapped under his or her control. Repeat this process until all of those cards have been chosen. The issue he has with it is that it takes extremely long to resolve because you're drafting the entire board in a four-player commander game. Yeah. That could mean that you're drafting 40 cards yeah. which could take five minutes or more out of the game. Yeah. So A, there's that. B, it's not very fun. It's really hard for people to um, break symmetry on Thieves Auction. So it kind of just has that like obliterate Joker Hops effect where because everyone had a turn to draft, like things are kind of even now. Like after the Thieves Auction, people are further away from winning than yeah. they were before yeah. Thieves Auction. So it, it the process itself takes a long time. And then it might make the game take longer by just disrupting the people who were likely going to win. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that happens with Thieves Auction 2 is that people steal each other's commanders. And that's which, really which not also, fun. Which is A, not fun, and then B, also makes the game take way longer, too. Because all of a sudden you've lost... like The card that your deck is built around? Yeah, yeah the card your deck is built around. You've lost any synergies you've had because people just have been picking whatever. And then, like someone maybe picked, like, the multiple, like, red sources or, like, green sources you needed to cast spells in your deck because mm-hmm. they were just trolling or something. Yeah. And so so it's just, it really, really does slow down the game, and a lot of these effects kind of tend to do this. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't generalize a little bit further because I think Thieves Auction is just one of many red chaos cards you got like scramble verse yeah for example oh, man. Um, or even like grip of chaos plane or planar chaos like yeah i mean planar chaos the process itself isn't very long but it, what it tends to do is just prevent people from playing their cards yeah the game just slows down to like a halt i am not a fan of those cards because i don't think they add a whole lot of fun they add just add a lot of time to the game stretch it out People feel like they can't do what their deck is supposed to do mm-hmm. for very many turns. The like preventing people from play factor is way worse under a thieves auction or a planar chaos or something or scramble versus something like that than after an Armageddon. Yeah, like Armageddon is like, guys, there's no more question about it. I'm gonna win. Let's move on to the next game. Known to scoop to thieves auction confusion in the ranks just because yeah. I'm like I don't want to. Why would you do this? Yeah, I don't want like, to do I, that. I don't want to sit through this. Like, I can sit through this, and, like, like if you're going to be a jerk about it, like, okay, yeah, we'll see who comes out, like, better, but I don't want to do this. This isn't fun. Yeah, I think <laughs> cards like this, just, like, the Chaos cards, they basically remove your ability to plan. Yeah. And if you can't plan what you're going to do, then you don't feel like you have control over your situation, yeah. then things are just happening to you. Yeah. And that's really not fun. It's not fun, and the, and it stretches the game out, because every turn you have to be like, okay, what could possibly happen right now? Mm-hmm. And someone else's turn happens, and you're like, well, I can't plan on whatever I was planning on, because now this is the board state, or whatever. So, it, I yeah, I agree. I... I think it's interesting that... Like, if you're playing with a possibility storm out, it's like, 
what am I going to do? All seven of these cards are random cards for my deck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's no possible way to know what's going to happen. I know if you're listening, you probably have one of these players in your playgroup, maybe. I know it's pretty popular, but at the same time, like, why? <laughs> Please. I've got a very, like, ungenerous theory about what what it might be about. Oh. <laughs> and it's just a way for players who can't plan ahead to oh. <laughs> even the playing field. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, but the there's only a few more cards, really, we could talk about here one of them is mindslaver I, I expected this the he starts off by saying that like one mindslaver activation is probably fine but the real issue is people who are mindslaver repeatedly i would actually argue that the reverse is true mm. i think that one mindslaver activation is like i'm just going to ruin you as hard as i possibly can and after it you're going to be in shambles but you're going to have to continue playing the rest of the game yeah. in shambles, in the ruins of your strategy. <laughs> but if you get infinite mind slavered, then it's like, oh, I'm I'm out of the game. So I'm just dead. I can go do whatever. Here's my hand. You figure it out. And likely, once one player has mind slaver locked somebody else, like then it's basically one person with the resources of two. Yeah. So then the game is pretty likely to end after that. It's not, I don't think it's nearly as big of an issue. Whereas if you just mindslaver one person, they feel super picked on, and then they have to play a miserable game. Yeah, I do understand. It's kind of, I think, this a lot of things in Commander Perception. So I think the mindslaver problem is a perception problem, where um, I know a lot of people who play the... Oh man, what's the... The black spell that Mindslavers wants. Worst uh, fears. Worst people, fears. People play worst fears. People play. I know people who play worst fears um, <laughs> simply because they agree with Sheldon here. I think it's perception. I think that I'm kind of more okay with like, okay, the Mindslaver happened. Um, I think that the difference is that Mindslaver is actually pretty easy to have happen infinitely. Not. I mean, obviously, worst fears you can't do infinitely, but mm-hmm. but uh, I. Like, it's the same reason Palancron is on this list. It's, like, pretty easy to do that. Yeah. But I don't think that's a problem, basically, is the thing I'm trying to say here. I think that, like, the perception of Mindslaver makes it seem worse than it actually is. Yeah. that makes sense. I think that a lot of these cards on this list are just ways to end the game. And I don't Hmm. think ending the game is a bad thing. I think it's a great thing. Yeah. Like, it's really hard to end a game of Commander, like, when everyone's at 40 life, and, like, there's always this danger of, if I alpha strike him, then he's gonna alpha strike me, like, everyone's got a loaded gun. It's a Mexican standoff all the time. There's really very little difference between Palancron, Paradox Engine, Wound Reflection, Infinite Mind Slavers, and just, like, I'm gonna Genesis Wave for a million, and... I have a single copy of Concordant Crossroads in my deck, so you, you know you guys are dead. Or, or like Tooth and Nail. Like, why isn't Tooth and Nail on this list? Tooth and Nail, it's so easy. If you have any other color in your deck, you can yeah, get a two-card combo, two combo and win the game. Yeah. So why isn't that being brought up as that you probably shouldn't play this because it's just boring? Like, to quote what he said about Armageddon... I seriously doubt anyone has ever played Armageddon and gotten an, oh, that's so cool response. 
Well, the same could be said about Crater Hoof. The same could yeah. be said about Tooth and Nail. All these ways to end the game are all similar in that you go from, okay, we're at this stalemate versus, okay, and now I win. And it doesn't make sense to me to say that these these types are okay and these types are not, even though the end result is basically the same. Sometimes there's a little bit more work involved, but really that's just a matter of player education. Mm-hmm. Like letting people know that once you're under infinite mind slaver, the, the game the is over, over for you. Yeah. Or like once somebody casts Armageddon when they're the only person with creatures on the board, the game is over for you. Yeah. That's really what he should be focusing his energy on as a leader of the format. And and have and someone who has a platform like this Star City Games article series. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that a lot of these things Yeah, come down to perception because it is really hard to gauge like why is this ban list the one that they're so firm about? Like why is it that these cards on this ban list is the one that they're so adamant to keep or not remove or whatever mm-hmm. when it is pretty obvious that like like they said here like paradox engine and stuff like that there are some things that are worse than things on the ban list or like more worse offenders i i guess and there's some things on the ban list that are not offensive at all that that don't really lead to unfun games and yet they're still on the ban list. Mm-hmm. So I I think it's interesting, like, Iona wasn't brought up. I think that one is pretty baffling, because it's like, okay, like, you and maybe you can't play the game anymore, mm-hmm. so I'm going to kill this person, and then I'll get back to you two, <laughs> like, plebeians in a moment. Like, that's way more unfun, I think, in regards to Denial, because he, br- he brings up Grand Arbiter Augustine. And, like, yeah, this card is pretty, like, heinous if built right, and just doing the EDH like, Rec series that we did, we kind of know now that, like, most people aren't building Grand Arbiter super heinous. Yeah. Most people are just building him, like, kind of value with some, like, mana acceleration and whatever. And so, why is Grand Arbiter on this list, but Iona is not? Is not. Like, yeah. that, that's, like, a one of them is, like, hyper-offensive, uh, one of them is two colors. <laughs> like, yeah. it's really, it's, I don't it's just very strange, so... I'm not sure who the list is for still. I think coming out of this article in particular, I was really sitting there scratching my head like, why? Yeah, I I will never understand a ban list that has Painter Servant and not Iona on it. Yeah, what? like just flip those two cards. Yeah. The only real answer is for me to go deep undercover, get on the rules committee (laughs) after years of subterfuge, finally find out what happens behind those closed doors. Yeah, what are these games that they uh, complain so much about? Mm-hmm. How, how do those... Uh, yeah, they should have... Honestly, they should have, like, minutes of their ban list discussions. I mean, they could, like... I bet you they would get a ton of views and subsequently add money if they just, like, streamed on Twitch or something like that. Absolutely. Like, there's no proprietary information. Like, why not just be super transparent? Yeah. When he talks about Paradox Engine in this article, he's like... I'm not going to say specifically who on the rules committee is on which side of the debate, but just be aware it's getting discussed. <laughs> but, but like, why? But like, why does the rules committee have to be a black box? That's just frustrating for players. Like, mm-hmm. no, I, I totally. I think that's one of the best things that Wizards does is that they are so transparent about like the design and like the creation of the game. Mm-hmm. 
And that's awesome, because we don't get that with most games. Like, most games come out, and that's it. And maybe you can ask the developer some questions about the process, and that's all you're ever going to get. Where Magic is like, no, this is how we started, this was the concept, this is blah blah blah, this is blah blah blah. And they don't get into, like, the marketing aspect of it. Mm -hmm. But we have more insight into the ideas that propagated Magic sets than any other game that is, like, on the market now. Yeah. And that's great. That's and, a good thing. And honestly, it, like, diffuses a lot of anger. Yeah. Because, like, I could protest <laughs> over, like, every time they print a legendary creature that doesn't work well in Commander. Yeah. <laughs> but they've let us know, like, all the competing interests they have to serve when yeah. they're designing this set. And so I can see a card like Tristani and be like, okay, this is clearly designed standard it's probably doing something maybe they're worried about control changing effects or or something mm. this isn't for me i can let it slide yeah and they'll talk about it and also i think like when we do get bad sets too so like ixalan as an example like ixalan we saw the spoiler and we're like what like this is the set mm -hmm. and then they talked about it and it was like oh oh no oh because they just got shafted so many times yeah I, I can sympathize with them a lot better because they're so transparent. To get back to the main point, I think the rules committee could kind of let people in a little more, you know, discuss a little more. Yeah. Tallies of games and cards and whatnot. Because, yeah, I have no idea what their decision-making process is, and that's super frustrating for me. Like, I would be much more satisfied if I knew that they get reports from Wizards. It's like, this is how people are playing Commander... On Moto, this is like hard data saying that like Crater Hoof not a problem. Don't worry about it. Or hard data saying that like like yeah, most... Painter's Servant actually is a big issue and it's a great thing that it's banned. Yeah, <laughs> like that would be awesome if I knew that they had like really data based rational reasons for making their decisions. But I I don't know that. And like reading this article by Sheldon makes me less confident in the leadership of the format. Yeah, we'll see. Something will change one day, maybe. Mm -hmm. Or it won't. But it may, it probably will. Vote for me. <laughs> Nick Beatman for Rules Committee. <laughs> but yeah, I think that is it for today. Let us know what you think. Maybe you have reason to believe that some of these cards are a big problem, and we're definitely yeah. willing to hear that. Yeah, please, actually. I, I think that there are stronger arguments that could be made against these cards than mm -hmm. what we're seeing in this article. I, I would prefer to see, like, listeners' responses on this kind of stuff, because yeah. I, I a, a lot of what the Rules Committee does is anecdotal, and so having as many anecdotes as possible mm -hmm. can only strengthen or hurt the argument. So please, like, if you want... If you have a story, if you feel really strongly about any of these cards, like let us know. All right, get in touch with us, let us know what you think, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time.